One thing these historians and political scientists never talk about is who did fascism support when fascism came into power? Who did the fascists support? Well, in Italy and Germany, when they came into power, they began implementing the stern measures that were needed to rescue the capitalist economy. Labor unions were dissolved. Strikes were outlawed. Union contracts were nullified. Prominent union leaders and other labor activists were imprisoned or murdered. Union property was confiscated. Worker publications were banned. Opposition political parties were outlawed. Their leaders jailed. Civil liberties were suspended. Fascist-sponsored unions, quote, unions were set up, and their function was to speed up production, prevent wildcat strikes, and apply punitive regulations, including fines, dismissals, and imprisonments against workers who agitated or complained of shop conditions. I mean, even a Nazi, a Nazi labor front newspaper had to admit, quote, some shop regulations are reminiscent of penal codes. Workers no longer had the right to change jobs. They could be shifted from one employment to another regardless of their wishes. Be, they could be conscripted for any work assumed useful to the nation's economy without guarantee of wages equal to previous earnings. In both Italy and Germany, the government exercised arbitrary, uh, uh, I mean, compulsory arbitration and regulation of work and wages. By the way, any worker who contested that would be contesting the laws of the state and therefore would be declared an enemy of the state, not just in conflict with management, but an enemy of the state. And so, in effect, what you got was a perfect wedding of the interests of the state and the interests of the capitalist class in this particular capitalist state. Um, and by the way, these measures had their effect, according to figures supplied by the Italian press itself. The already meager wages, you know, the wages weren't all that good to begin with, for Italian workers in 1927 were cut in half by 1932. By 1939, the cost of living had risen 30%, and this constituted an additional increase in, a decrease in real wages. Taxes on wages were introduced. Regulations were instated against minimum wages. The minimum wage law was abolished, in other words. There was no more increased pay for overtime. In some regions, sanitary and safety regulations were dropped. Occupational safety regulations were, were eliminated in factories. In many areas, child labor was reintroduced. In other words, all the old abuses and old evils that the Italians thought were dead, that, that were, belonged to a generation ago, had returned under fascism. In Germany, the same story. Between 1933 and 1935, wages were lowered anywhere from 25 to 40 percent. That's a tremendous cut if you're an ordinary worker just trying to make ends meet. Wage taxes were instituted. Municipal poll taxes were doubled. Payroll deductions helped finance the Nazi-controlled labor front. And the Nazi labor front controlled the party organizations and the health and unemployment insurances, all of which, by the way, lowered wages another 20 and 30 percent. That is, the things that were taken out of your pay for that. And the non-profit mutual assistance and insurance associations that had existed before the Nazis came to power uh, and the free labor unions were abolished. Their funds were taken over by private insurance companies that charged more while, while paying out smaller benefits. So, and in Italy, as, I mean, in Germany, just like in, in Italy, inflation substantially uh, added to the German workers' hardship. There's something else both of, the, both of these fascist leaders did. In both Italy and Germany, the process of privatization. Does that sound familiar? Ronald Reagan's dream. State-owned enterprises such as power plants, steel mills, banks, railways, insurance firms, steamship companies, and shipyards were handed over to private ownership uh, at, for a song, I mean, like gifts. Corporate taxes were reduced by half in both Italy and Germany. Does that sound familiar? Another Reagan achievement. Taxes on luxury items for the rich were cut. And inheritance taxes were either drastically lowered or abolished, just as they've been in the last 10 years in America. 
In Germany, between 1934 and 1940, the average net income of corporate businessmen rose by 46%. <clears throat> Enterprises that were floundering were refloated with state bonds. They were recapitalized out of the state treasury, and they were returned to private control when solvent. So you see, these are people who say socialism doesn't work, but when capitalist businesses start to fail, they go socialist. They take the money out of the public treasure and refloat these businesses. Does that sound familiar to you people who are worrying about the S&L bailout? With numerous enterprises, the state guaranteed a return on the capital invested. They guaranteed a return and assumed all the risk of investment losses. So the investor, the rich investor, didn't have to worry about any losses, and if, it, if his business didn't do well, he'd get the money from the state treasury in any way. This is why the capitalists did like fascism. This, however, did not really bring a final solution. I mean, what the fascist state is, it attempts a final solution to the problem of class conflict. It obliterates the demands of the working class and the democratic forms that allow workers some room for an organized defense of their interests. But this final solution proves very far from final. In fascist Italy and Germany, industrial sabotage and sporadic wildcat strikes continued, inflation increased, whole sectors of the economy remained stagnant, there was widespread corruption, mismanagement, underemployment, vital social services deteriorated, but profits climbed. The profits went up, yes sir. The gestures made on behalf of the needy were, uh, were, were pitiful. I mean, what the Nazis used to do is go around in the working class areas and collect alms, so they taxed the poor to give money to the still poorer as Franz Schumann once said. The, uh, the Italian economy remained in a troubled, stagnant condition right up to the Second World War. In Germany, thanks to the booming armaments industry, the standard of living, at least most notably the unemployment problem, well, it had been so bad that standard of living improved a little bit, but it never even reached, by the way, it never even reached what it was in 1933 under the Weimar Republic. I mean, it never reached 1928 levels. So even under the Weimar Republic, for all its troubles, the levels of food, textile, and other areas of consumption and production were much better than ever achieved under Nazi Germany. Anyone interested in reading more about fascism, I would uh, direct you to uh, a very fine book by Daniel Gurin, G-U-E-R-I-N, called uh, Fascism and Big Business. 